Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's up to McCaffrey. There he goes. It's a C-back attack. This is Desmond Johnson on the Believe and Carolina Panthers podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available in your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts on Twitter. And welcome into the latest edition of the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast here on Believe Networks. I'm your host, Desmond Johnson, joined by Sports Illustrated Skylar Callahan. You can catch brand new episodes of the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast on Tuesdays on your favorite pla- uh, podcast platform, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, iTunes. It's all over the place, so definitely check us out there. Uh, on today's broadcast, we'll touch a little bit on some uh, news and notes from around the world of sports, including our instant reaction to last night's national championship game, North Carolina, the Cinderella story ends losing to Kansas in the national championship final late Monday night. Um, we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, just announced breaking news. Tiger Woods will be playing in the masters tournament this weekend. It'll be his first return to golf since his near fatal car accident uh, about a year ago. So we'll touch on that and what it means to uh, golf in general. And of course, Panthers news of the week. We'll get into uh, some tidbits from this past week, a new signing, a new cornerback's been signed by the Panthers in the past seven days, as well as one of the top quarterback prospects scheduled to visit uh, the Panthers here in the next couple of days as well. So got a lot to talk about with there. Uh, and then also NFL news uh, from this past week, uh, teams in the, NFL, in the NFC South have been busy. The New Orleans Saints made a big deal with the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll talk about how that might affect the draft selections for the Panthers. And we'll see if Skyler made a change in his first round pick of the week mock draft for the Carolina Panthers that we do every single week here that you can also follow at Sports Illustrated. Uh, Before we begin, though, and dive in, a quick word from our sponsors at uh, Bet Online. It's that time of the year. College basketball just took center stage with the tournament finally upon us. If you're looking to wager this year, Bet Online is the number one spot for all your updated odds and info, along with great contests, including the bracket contest, where you have a chance to take home the top prize. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get started. That's B-L-E-A-V. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Bet Online, where the game starts. As I bring in my co-host, Skylar Callahan, uh, last night I had to stay up late because my beloved Tar Heels Cinderella run had made it all the way to the NCAA national championship game against Kansas and I gotta admit Skyler after the high of Saturday and beating Duke in the final four I kind of went to bed still happy I wasn't really upset about what I saw Monday night from Carolina they kind of left it all on the floor like literally um there was a couple of sequences where uh, Carolina's only been running like five or six guys all day all year or at least the second half of the year when they got hot and you had between uh, Armando Baycott re-rolling his ankle. I'm now seeing something about uh, there was a problem with the court or something. The court buckled underneath him, which I didn't know last night. So that's something that uh, might become a bigger story here down the road. Caleb Love twisted his ankle twice during the game. Puff Johnson was vomiting on the court because he got hit in the stomach. Like Brady Manick got hit in the face twice. I thought he had a concussion. It was just like it just it just snowballed into this perfect situation for Kansas to 
come from behind. Biggest come from behind victory in uh, the NCAA national championship game. They were down by 16 at one point in the first half. Storm all the way back to win 81 to 79. Did you get a chance to watch any of this game? What were your thoughts on uh, Kansas winning their third national championship over the Tar Heels? Oh, yeah. I watched it from start to finish. My, my fiance is a diehard Tar Heel, so we were definitely yeah. watching. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it, I, I thought that Carolina had a chance before the tournament even started to make a deep run because I mean, they, they were playing good basketball down the stretch. And when I look at some teams that I think, you know, might be overlooked that could go far, Carolina fit the bill for that type of team because they have depth. They have a lot of guys that can do a bunch of different things. They can beat you in multiple ways. And I just thought that when, when you have two guards as good as Carolina does with R.J. Davis and Caleb Love, and then you mix in a three-point guy like Brady Manick, Armand, Armando Baycott underneath, like that's just a, a a team that just seems like it could go far. Mm-hmm. And when they got to the second round against Baylor, I know they almost blew that game. But Baylor has been out without two of their starters for almost half of the year now. And I knew that they were going to be kind of a vulnerable team. And I thought if they were to match up with Carolina, I thought that, that Carolina would beat them. And it kind of worked out for them perfectly because then they got St. Peter's and so on and so forth. But I think for Carolina fans, they just have to happy that they, they just have to be happy that they were even in this game. Because when you enter the tournament as a number eight seed, you don't expect playing the national championship. Right. You, you expect maybe if you're lucky to get to a sweet 16, but that means you're going to have to be beat the number one team. So I think they have to be happy. And for Hubert Davis, I think it was a, a hell of a, a coaching job um, for him in his first year. And I think he's he's going to keep this program more than afloat. I think he's going to be more consistent. Roy Williams was a good coach, but I think you're going to see Hubert Davis get this team to more Elite Eights, more Final Fours on a regular basis. But I will say this. I don't know if it's going to be right away. I think it's going to take a few years for him to really establish – his culture, which I think he's already done a really good job at, but it's going to take some time. Yeah, I would agree with that. And um, honestly, it depends on who comes back because besides Brady Manick, every single person on this roster can come back, including Leaky Black, who has a, a, a fifth-year COVID year available to him if he wants to return. Uh, typically, they don't stay the fifth year at that school. They'll go someplace else. But with Leaky being so ingrained in the program, he may decide to come back. Baycott's a junior. Uh, Caleb Love's a sophomore. Um I wouldn't say either one of them are completely ready for the pros yet. I think Baycott could stick around and have a monster senior year, uh, kind of similar to Bryce Johnson in his senior year, where he was first team All-American, ACC Player of the Year, Carolina won the ACC tournament, went to the Final Four, went to the National Championship. I think he could do something like that with the, the recruiting class that Hubert has coming in. It's a group of four, four-star kids uh, that are really pretty good collection of guys. The last time they had a group of four four-star kids that came in was the group of Marcus Page, J.P. Takoto, um, Bryce Johnson. And when they came in, I remember saying their freshman year, this unit will make it to a Final Four. Uh, well, they made it to one in 2016, uh, and then the class after them finished it off with Justin Jackson and uh, Joel Berry and those guys in 2017. Future looks bright for Carolina. Uh, of course, the almost the bigger game was Saturday night, Carolina-Duke. It was the yeah. second most watched uh, college basketball game in the history of cable. Um, for me, beating Duke on Saturday night kind of tempered the sting of losing last night because even with everything going on and our – I mean, it was like watching shoulder, uh, soldiers just getting shot down <laughs> from Carolina last night as it, it progressed in the second half. But to get to the point where they were down three with four seconds to go and a chance to tie after all of that, 
I, I can't really ask for much more from this group of kids. Like I'm so yeah. proud of them for what they they did in the second half of the season. Well, and I and I told my fiance this too, and I was like, you know, most years, if if you were to tell me, okay, regardless, you're going to lose either in the final four or the national championship. Most times I would just say, you know what, just let me get it over with. You know, just just end it in the final four so that that's not one step closer and you're like literally in the game that decides it all. I'd rather lose in the final four. But in this situation, no. Like, yeah, you, you would want to beat Duke, send Coach K out and, and be the one to do that. And then, you know, if you were to lose in the title game, at least you still have something to hold your, you know, yourself to. But – I will say this. I've seen this from Kansas every single year, 15 to 20 times a year. This is what they do. Mm -hmm. Like they, they find themselves trailing at halftime. They come out guns a blazing in the start of the second half and they kill teams. And honestly, I will say this Carolina is lucky. They didn't get ran off the floor last night because yeah, was, I agree. Yeah. Because not only was it looking like it, but that's what Kansas does every time over the years since I've covered West Virginia. I couldn't tell you how many times. It's almost it's almost become a theme. Every time West Virginia plays at Kansas, they get up five or ten points at halftime. They lose by 15. Now, when Kansas comes to West Virginia, it's almost an automatic win for West Virginia. But it, it's just this thing with Kansas, and it's always been like this. It doesn't matter who they're playing. They will be down for most of the game and come back and win. But I think a part of that – you know, some people could say, oh, it could be officiating or whatnot. Yeah, in some certain situations, I think that's the case. But I think you, in this in this situation, I think you just have to tip your hat to Bill Self because he did a tremendous job of rallying this team back to not only just getting back within reach, but to actually take over the game at one point and then just have to hold on at the end. Yeah, th this – I, they were up 15 at the half, 40 to 25. And I turned to my wife. She was, you know, listening to something on her phone. I was like, normally if we're up 15 playing the way we're playing right now, I'd feel really good about it. But this is the first time in about a month. I don't feel good about a 15 point lead. I feel like Kansas is going to come back out swinging. And that's exactly what they did. And Carolina just, I mean, honestly, they just ran out of gas. That's what it felt like. It felt like maybe, maybe Saturday did take out a little bit more of them than I thought. And they just couldn't, get over the hump. Plus Armando Baycott wasn't hundred percent. Let's just be real. That, that game probably goes a little bit different if he's not gimpy from the start from the rolled ankle. So a lot of what ifs there, I'm hoping that some of these kids love and Baycott in particular to decide to run it back for one more year. Uh, and Carolina and, and head coach Hubert Davis looking really good going forward. Future wise. Um, we'll see about Duke and, you know, Kay's last game Saturday. Uh, I know a lot's been made of Carolina being the ones that put him out and all this other stuff. But, you know, 42 years of basically excellence uh, from Coach K can't be ignored. The sport will miss him. I won't, but the sport will miss him. Um, <laughs> do you think Sire will, will keep it going, or do you think they'll kind of take a step back a little bit? Personally, I think they'll take a step back. Uh, Recruiting-wise, they're not going to. They have the number one recruiting class coming in next year, but that's still kind of touched with K still being there. So um, it really depends on how they come out next year. I do know one thing. It would have looked – horrible for Shire if Hubert had won this national championship last night oh. <laughs> you know you're on the bench for Kay's last loss and then your biggest rival wins the national championship with a first year head coach that sat beside his coach for nine years that's you John Shire and you've got better talent coming in than what Hubert had to work with so it would have it's still going to be a lot of pressure following a legend uh it's just really hard to follow a legend and we've never seen this at Duke um I've wondered if they're going to turn to Indiana like 2.0 yeah. Or, or UCLA 2.0, where 
that coach there was the brand. You know, Bobby Knight was the brand. Uh, Wooden was UCLA. And to be honest, Indiana's never really gotten back. I think they made one yeah. Final Four since Knight's been gone. Uh, UCLA's had spurts, but never the consistency. I'm worried that Duke might have the same thing because uh, unlike Carolina, where they had success before Dean Smith and after, uh, Duke's never gone through this before, you know, having to lose yeah. someone to the stature of K. So I'm curious to see how this plays out. And, you know, some more news to add there. Nolan Smith, their top recruiter and assistant coach, le- uh, announced yesterday he's leaving to take an assistant coaching job at Louisville. So uh, that could be interesting going into 2023 going forward. But uh, that's a storyline we'll definitely keep track of. Uh, some more news in the world of sports just breaking here about 50 minutes ago. Tiger Woods returning to the Masters. This will be the first time Tiger has played. Well, it, actually, it says as it stands right now, uh, he plans to play in the Masters. Um, for So take that for what it's worth. Uh, he He's definitely slimmer than he was before because before his accident, he got to the point where he looked like he was training for WWE. Like he was like, like huge. And he slimmed down considerably. Dude almost lost his leg in this accident, almost lost his life. Um, he played in... He's been a year already. Yeah, wow. it's been about it's been about a year. Um, I'm trying to see when it actually went down. Um, he played in December in the PNC Challenge um, with his son Charlie, which was actually pretty awesome. I remember those highlights of watching Charlie uh, taking uh, taking balls, and he, he even like spins the he spins the club like Tiger, like he stands like Tiger, like in his stance or whatever. Like it's really crazy to watch it. Um, that was three and a half months ago. Uh, if he does play in the Masters, he claims he's going to try. It'll be his 24th time in the Masters. He's finished in the top five 12 times in his previous 23 appearances. Um, this is great. Yeah, he yeah the accident was February 23rd, 2021. So, yeah, a little over a year. Uh, crashed the SUV in Los Angeles, went over a median and down the side of a hill. Uh, his doctors considered amputating his right leg. Uh, before reassembling the limb by placing a rod in the tibia and using screws and pins to stabilize additional injuries in the ankle and foot. I remember it sounded like his whole right leg was just shattered. Like, he's basically walking on a metal leg, it sounds like. Um, I don't know. He, I, he might give it a try. I can see him maybe trying to play, but I know also he's got a really great cut record or something, like, all time. He's only been cut, like, twice or didn't make the cut twice or something crazy like that. So That's insane. I wonder if pride gets in the way and he decides to not do it because he might get cut or if he just wants to see if he can push himself. We'll, we'll find out what, um, what that'll be here with tiger here um, this week, apparently. So he's apparently going to try to give it a go. Um, let's hit. Well, we'll, we'll go to NFL news last because uh, the Panthers news was kind of small this week, but still interesting enough to discuss quarterback Malik Willis from Liberty scheduled to visit the Panthers. Uh, now, this isn't anything unusual. Uh, the Panthers have a certain number of visits that they can uh, have uh, with prospective uh, picks. But what do you what do you make of uh, the Panthers inviting Willis in? It sounds like he's moving up these draft boards pretty quick. Yeah, he's he's becoming a hot commodity. I think a lot of people are starting to just kind of ride that potential that he's got in that rocket of an arm that he has attached to his right shoulder. I mean, it's just the kid's got a lot of talent. And there's no question about it. I don't think anyone doubts his talent. I think there's it's just how does his game translate to the NFL? Can he make the right decisions on a consistent basis? Can he can he read defenses 
uh, to, to an, a high enough level to where he's not forcing things like he did at Liberty. There's, there's a lot of work here that's going to go into Malik Willis being the starting quarterback in the NFL. And I think teams that, you know, I think even in a year that the quarterback class isn't very strong, there's not a lot of teams that really need to, to be aggressive to go get a quarterback like in most drafts. But the thing that I think Panther fans should be worried about if they want Malik Willis is some of these other teams that, again, don't have to go uh, overboard and, or, or that, that could go overboard and try and, and trade up for Malik Willis because they don't feel like even if they do that they're going to lose much in that trade. And what I mean by that is a team like the New Orleans Saints. If they trade up and get Malik Willis, look, that team is pretty much already set. So offense, defense doesn't matter. They don't really need all these extra other picks because they're still a very good team, a lot of young pieces. They can move up, get a Malik Willis, and if it doesn't work out, guess what? They still have Jameis Winston. You know what I mean? Like, I I don't know if, if this is another team that's on the radar, but, like, Tennessee could be another team that does that. You know, some of these teams that they can move up and if they swing and miss on Malik Willis, they are, they still already have another quarterback there and they still have a good team in place. That's the type of team that I think is really going to concern Panther fans as we get closer to the draft. I think Carolina likes Malik Willis a lot, and I think it's going to be between he and Kenny Pickett. I really do. The closer we get to the draft, the more I keep hearing it's going to be a quarterback, it's going to be a quarterback. And it lines up with what Scott Fetter said a couple of weeks ago, where, you know, we just got to keep swinging. We got to keep swinging on these quarterbacks. And to me, everything that he said in that press conference, it leans in the direction of a quarterback. I know that they still would like to have an offensive tackle, but it's just, it just seems like it's going to be the time where they say, we're going to take a chance. You know, it's crazy too, because I'm looking at, the draft order. I'm trying to make sure I get the most up-to-date one here. Um, well, before we do that, actually something that may affect all of that, uh, NFC South notes, the Saints actually came to a deal with the Eagles yesterday. So the Saints are acquiring the 16th and 19th overall picks and a six-round selection, which is number 194 uh, in this month's draft later on uh, this month in April. Uh, with the Eagles, New Orleans is sending Philly the 18th overall pick that includes a 2023 first rounder, a 2024 second rounder, and a 2022 pick from the third round uh, this year, and a seventh round selection uh, in April's draft. So basically, New Orleans now has two 2022 first round picks at 16 and 19. Philly still has two first round picks at 15 and 18. And coincidentally, if I'm not mistaken, even after all this, Philly still picks right behind, or or I think it's the Saints, they pick right behind uh Philly, both of those first round picks. So I'm not really sure why they did this unless New Orleans is planning on packaging the, the the 16th and 19th picks to move up further. But is that enough to move them past six? Because as I look at the draft uh, order, as it stands right now, Carolina's sitting at six. And the only team I can really see above them that maybe needs a quarterback um, well, maybe Detroit. I mean, they've got Jared Goff. They just traded for him. I'm not sure if they'd want to use collateral on that. I would think they would want a lineman, but um, I've heard Malik Willis has been connected to Detroit. Jacksonville has the number one pick. Of course, they've got Trevor Lawrence. Houston, maybe, maybe might be in play for a quarterback, although I'm not really hearing that. Uh, I'm hearing they're they're fine with uh, – who's the guy they had? Um, Davis Mills. 
yeah, Davis Mills, I'm, I'm hearing they're okay with that, which is kind of hard to, to fathom, but you know, whatever. <laughs> and so if that's what, that's what it is, it might be a smoke screen. Who knows? The jets just got a quarterback in the first round last year, Zach Wilson. Uh, the giants apparently seem committed to Daniel Jones at five. And that seems to be the sweet spot because the giants have the fifth and seventh picks uh, sandwiched, uh, they have Carolina sandwiched in between. If you want a quarterback, it seems like you need to move up to five to, to get there. Are the the 16th and 19th picks in the first round enough to move up to, say, number four where the Jets no. are? No, I, I, mean, I, don't I, think so. I don't I don't think so. But I do think they can use those two picks in a deal to move up to number five. Because, like, if you throw in a, the 16 and 19 and maybe a first round next year, or a second round pick or like there's gonna have to be more to that deal obviously but they this is exactly what i think in my opinion what it's for because what are you really gaining out of another middle first round pick right like, yeah i can't figure out why they would even do this uh to get those picks unless they're and, planning on moving those picks again but and to me i don't even know if it's for a quarterback right you know, yeah like it could be that they fell in love with maybe one of these pass rushers or one of these corners, like maybe they like Sauce Gardner a lot. Just yeah. thinking about Sauce Gardner, that he that would probably be something that they would think about maybe moving up for. I could see them moving up with the Giants to five to take Sauce. Or actually, they wouldn't even have to move up there. They could move up to seven with the Giants yeah. and get Sauce because they know we're not going to pick them. We don't need them. We've got 20 cornerbacks already. <laughs> we got Sitting in right now, I got a news brief about uh, the Panthers signing a cornerback yesterday that we'll talk about in a second, but uh, it's it's like a game of chess. It's kind of figuring out okay who do these who do these teams want, and the Panthers are trying to stay close to the vest in terms of what they need. But to your point, Scott Fitter kind of played their hand uh, in that press conference last week. By it's either going to be a quarterback or one of the left tackles that are going to be sitting there because there's going to be a choice. I think looking at the board, where if you if you're Scott Fitter and you see you've got Malik Willis still sitting there at six, and let's say. Uh, Evan Neal still on the board at six. What do you do? <laughs> like, what do you do if you're him? That's something, that's a scenario we hadn't even thought of up until this point, but now it's seeming like it might be very possible. One of those top three left tackles and probably all three of the quarterbacks are going to still be there at six. I I would, I would have to lean to, to Evan Neal. And again, the only reason I say this is because when you have the number six pick in the draft and you're still stuck in this rebuild heading into year three. You have to get guys that can make a difference and be an immediate impact right away. Malik Willis, you have no idea what you're going to get. Like you may hit on it and he may be, become a gem or he could become nothing and just a career backup. I don't want that at number six. Like it, this isn't the year to take a chance on a quarterback. If it's between those types of guys, like, if it's next year and, and you're talking, okay, Bryce Young or this offensive tackle or one of the other quarterbacks in this offensive tackle, okay, that's a different story. This class is not the one to take a chance on if that be, is what it comes to. I think the more intriguing one is, okay, let's say you get to a scenario where Evan Neal's off the board. Ike Aquanu's off the board. Kyle Hamilton goes in the top six. You've got uh, Aiden Hutchinson there. And say one of these other pass rushers go up before Thibodeau and say it's like uh, Trayvon Walker who's gaining a lot of steam. So now you're at number six and it's Malik Willis, Ev uh, Char <clears throat> Malik Willis, Charles Cross, and Kayvon Thibodeau. What are you going to do there? Because Cross isn't the top pass protector. 
Malik Willis, you don't know, or I mean, Cross is the is the top pass protector, but he's not the top offensive tackle. You've got Malik Willis, who's a hit or miss, but you've got a potential like immediate fix for Hassan Reddick with Kayvon Thibodeau. What do you do? Like that, that's where I think it gets really, really intriguing because I think everyone's thinking it's quarterback or left tackle, but pass rusher's not completely off the charts yet. I don't, I don't, hmm. I don't know. Do you think they would take one that high at six? Because they're going to extend Burns probably next year. Um, I think if, hmm. if it's Thibodeau, yes, because I think everyone in this in this league is is going to regret not taking Thibodeau as high as he is. Or I mean, he was assumed to be the number one pick, and then all the stuff came out about whether he's really passionate about the game or not. Look, the dude's got a, is an immense talent. Like he's going to be a star in this league. For me, I, I would rather – again, I'd rather t- bring in a guy that I know it's going to make an immediate impact like Kayvon Thibodeau because you bring him in, Brian Burns is not getting double teamed and chipped all the time. Like I think that's going to be a very big problem for Carolina if they don't get another guy on that other side to line up opposite of him. If if you just got Brian Burns out there, then your defense is going to be – all sh- or the, the, the offensive line is going to be shifted all towards him. And I'd rather have that solution than waiting on another – than having a quarterback that may or may not be the answer. But that's just me. Uh, what what if, like, uh, Thibodeau and Neal are still sitting there at six? Oh, if, if it's – Because we're going to get some kind of combination of somebody dropping, somebody rising. I, I feel yeah. like the Panthers feel like – because I, I would normally I would say the Panthers are going to trade out of this pick and get some extra picks. I don't catch that vibe this year. I feel like they no. think that whoever's sitting there at six is somebody they can use – immediately uh whether it's quarterback left tackle pass rusher whatever it may be but those three seem to be uh the the three things they would look at there who what do you do if evan ill sitting there and thibodeau still sitting there at six i'm man because because you really need neil but i'm probably leaning more towards thibodeau and the only reason i say that is because we saw Brady Christensen last year for a little bit. We we think that he could be a, a, a legitimate and a left tackle in the NFL. Like I think there's some some growth there. And if you as an organization saw that in him a year ago, you have to still see it in him now, right? Like in in Kayvon Thibodeau, like again, you've got to be able to find an answer to to pair up with with Brian Burns. If you don't have that, it's really gonna make this defense suffer. But Man, that, that's a that's a tough one. That really is. I think the doomsday scenario for the Panthers would be if your best option on the board is Kenny Pickett. Like, let's say Malik Willis goes, let's say Evan Neal goes, Ikiakwanu goes, uh, Charles Cross is even off the board, and then the number one guy there is Kenny Pickett. That's where it's like, oh, like, do we really do we really buy into this guy, or can we trade back? And then that, that's where I think the trade back scenario comes into play. It'll be interesting for sure. And I think over the next couple of weeks, we're going to really start to focus on the draft. Uh, I think we've got a slate of uh, guests that are going to be popping up for the Believe in Panther podcast. I need to give a call to my buddy Joe Person over at The Athletic, see if he wants to join us for a little draft analysis. And uh, we'll get some more folks in here too over the next couple of weeks. The draft actually, when is the draft? The draft is late April. Um, Eighth or ninth or something like that. Yeah, you know how the NFL does. They're going to stretch it over like a whole weekend. Yeah, make a big deal. 
like the first round will be just one night <laughs> and then like the second and third round will be one night and then all the rest of them will be saturday throughout the day you, i think it's like on thursday friday saturday so we'll uh keep an eye on this still still very fluid situation uh the the panther news that i had um the panthers added another cornerback a young cornerback uh monday they signed chris westry to a one-year deal 24 years old he spent last season with the baltimore ravens after his first two years with the dallas cowboys he was not tendered as a restricted free agent uh so he was available and he he's added to the panthers uh locker room here a crowded cornerback room um you've got literally dante jackson's in there you've got uh who else we got justin burris was just re-signed uh rashad melvin was signed sean chandler was signed you still got jc horn rehabbing uh and we still got stefan gilmore still floating out there i haven't heard anything about him signing anywhere anytime soon have you heard anything about that that seems kind of weird that he hasn't gotten a lot of traction yeah he's he's playing the patient game and i think and i could and i'm not trying to read into this situation too much because i i don't want to put something out there that's not true uh, cause I haven't had this confirmed to anybody, but I, I, I think he could be potentially waiting on Carolina. Like there, there could be a situation where he's, he's trying to wait and say like, look, I would potentially make, take a little bit of cheaper of a deal. I don't, I don't know that that's what he would do, but it seems like he and his, and his wife, um, is it Gabriella or Gabriella? That the, they they seem to really like being here. I mean, they they live here. Like yeah. even if he signs elsewhere, they're still going to live in Charlotte. Their their next door neighbors are Scott Fetter. They love it here in Charlotte. I think they love being able to stay here all year round. So if it's possible, I think he would he would take a a, a little bit of a, a pay cut. Now, is that going to happen for most guys? No, but I think in this situation, it's unique because he and his family love being here. They're from here. So that's a different story, but I don't know. I think they're going to play the patient game. I, I don't think he's going to end up signing with the Panthers. I just don't see it, but who knows? Crazier things have happened. It's crazy because I'm looking at – I went to overthecap.com because I'm sitting here thinking, can they afford to sign him? They've got the money. They've got money. Well, it depends on what he wants, but if they can get like a – he's 31. I wouldn't mind him you know, taking like a two-year deal Two year fifteen, sixteen million dollar deal. I mean, maybe. that's still probably cheap, but yeah, maybe if you make it all guaranteed or something like that, because he yeah. could probably get more on the market. But if he's getting if he's getting a hard fifteen million for two years on the back end of his career that's fully guaranteed, that's I would be comfortable doing something like that. Cause I was gonna say something like two years thirty million with like that's probably years. what the asking price is really gonna be, to be honest. Yeah. Like two years thirty million or two years thirty-four million. Like it's gonna be fifteen to seventeen million a year unless he takes that a little bit of a pay cut. But I, again, if that does happen, if do the Panthers want him back, be, and I say this because like you, you invested in JC Horn and CJ Henderson through the trade. So if you bring back Gilmore, you're starting Gilmore, you're starting Dante Jackson. Mm-hmm. What happens to JC Horn? What happens to CJ Henderson? Like this, this horn just gets moved inside to be a slot cornerback, which is okay. I mean, he's physical enough. I'd rather have Dante play that. That's kind of what he was playing last year, wasn't it? When they had all – well, they never had all yeah, three of them out there at the same time. But um, A.J. Bouye was playing a lot of cornerback too. He's also still a free agent and sitting out there. Um, I don't know. I, I would imagine they got Horn to be a shutdown corner, not a slot. So yeah. I would think that Horn would start back as the starting you know, corner. Um, 
Dante can play both. It sounds almost like the plan is Dante will be the other starting corner if they can't get this together with Gilmore. If they can get it with Gilmore, they'll put Gilmore at the starting corner and move Dante over to the slot where he was playing last year because the defense that uh, Phil Snow runs is basically a nickel defense anyway. He's going to have five there's cornerbacks corners out there. On, yeah, there's, there's, there's multiple corners on the field almost at all times. Like, mm-hmm. which, is, which, is, which is why they were – number two or three in overall defense most of the year because they had one of the top pass defenses in the league, which sounds crazy when you hear it out loud. But when you go back and look at it, the pass defense for the Panthers, they were constantly holding teams to, you know, 220, 250 yards passing for the majority of the year. And that's what Dante getting injured, Horn getting injured after week three, Gilmore came in late in the year. Uh, it was a lot of shuffling around back there, but they've done their due diligence to get this, this, uh, this uh, secondary fairly straight uh now now it sounds like they're just adding you know depth to everywhere but um people get jeremy chin sitting back there they signed xavier woods to be the other safety that's gonna probably be the strong point of the defense i would think again would be the secondary with the signings they have so they do have the luxury to kind of wait and see what they can do with gilmore i would like him to return i have got to that point yeah i think i think that if it makes sense it's kind of like the cam Newton situation like if it makes sense for both both sides, they'll they'll come to an agreement on something, but it's it's going to be hard, I think, for them to do it because again, you've got to figure out the plan moving forward. And is everyone going to be happy? Because if if not everyone's happy, then you're going to create a, a bad situation in that room. People aren't going to like the roles and whatnot, so they just have to play carefully. I, I think really they've got to figure out the the linebacking the linebacking spot, which I, I like the pickups of Damian Wilson and Corey Littleton, but. I'm still not sure that that's going to fix it. Yeah, but we'll see. I think they still got to get a little bit of of uh, of a presence up front on the edge. I mean, again, losing a Son Reddick, that's going to be that's going to be huge. I'm I'm still looking at the salary cap stuff, the effective cap space for these teams. The Panthers have the most money of any team in the league. They've got about 25 million dollars in effective cap space to work with. Um, on the Colts are the only other team that have at least 20 million in cap space. Everybody else is below it uh teams that might be able to make a play for gilmore the browns have 18 million left in cap space uh i don't know how but the saints still have 13 million dollars in cap space i don't i don't understand <laughs> like how they were able to the do cap this is really good <laughs> lord it feels like they're always over like 20 million like every year and they just keep kicking a can down the road but somehow they they they've got a cap wizard over there uh Salary cap doesn't exist, I swear. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> the Chargers are interesting. They've got $15 million in cap space still. Um, now, keep in mind, most of these teams are going to need about $5 million of this to cover the rookies from the draft uh, to pay yeah, for their the, upcoming contracts. So, The Panthers, really- they're holding back 9 to $10 million for the draft and stuff throughout the year from what Scott said. So you, you might as well say they have like 15 to $16 million. So that's yeah. enough. If everybody's kind of doing that, then, yeah, it's roughly about – it's still more than everybody else, but if everybody's yeah. doing the same thing to kind of tuck away a little bit to pay for rookies coming in, some of these teams are going to have more rookies coming in than the Panthers do because they don't have second and third round picks as it stands right now. Uh, if you look at it that way, really the Colts have about 10 million, the Browns have about 8 million, and then everybody else has less than that. Um, the Bears have about 9 million. But of course, Gilmore's going to want to go someplace that, ha- that can be a contender. The Cowboys are interesting. They'll have about Mm, not really about three or four million left over it's showing at 12 right now but that's before the draft um 
the Colts were the only ones really that had the money to really do it. And that would be an interesting place to go uh, in the AFC. People were kind of looking at them. They might possibly be a contender. They probably could use some help in the secondary. So kind of, if you're just looking at cap space and who's available, it seems like the Panthers and the Colts are the two that have the most um, availability. Plus it's showing the Panthers with 74 players currently right now, the Colts have 59. So some of these players for the Panthers are getting cut, which I'd imagine would create even more cap space for them. They've created a situation where they've got fluidity in their cash flow. Um, Where some of these other teams, like I'm looking at uh, the Patriots are 3 million in the negative. The bills are close to 5 million in the negative. Hell the Falcons in our own division are about 2 million in the negative. So I don't know. And they just traded off Matt Ryan. So I really have no idea. Um, it says they only have, it says they've got 4.2 million in cap space, but effectively they've got about 1.9. Makes me wonder if they're on the hook for some of Matt Ryan's deal, maybe. Because they've got, I think they're actually still paying. Now I could be wrong. I think they're actually paying the whole thing or most of it. They, because it says I they've got, yeah, they've got $62 million in dead money. Uh, Wait, that yeah, that's right. got to be where it's from. That can't be right. That says, yeah, oh, yeah, they've been at 62 million. Yeah, 62 million. Wow. <laughs> and dead money yeah. for this upcoming year. So that is nuts. And I'm just looking through the other teams that have dead money sitting around the Steelers, 25. Uh, yeesh, the Bears with 45, Eagles with 36. This is dead money, money they got to pay from previous deals. The Texans have 51 million in dead money sitting around. I think some of that's the Deshaun stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the Panthers are, if, for anyone interested, the Panthers have 22 million in dead money um, still sitting there. Uh, so they're in a pretty good spot. So if they really want to bring Gilmore back, they can. Uh, but they're also in a situation where if they don't bring them back, it's not going to cripple the secondary room because they're already fairly loaded with young talent in the, in the room. Um, so we'll kind of see what they, what they do there real quick before we get out of here. Like we do every week, Skylar's mock first round pick of the week. We never know if it's going to change or be somebody different until we get to it. Last week, it was Liberty quarterback Malik Willis, uh, Skylar this week. Has there been a change in your mock draft? No, it is still Malik Willis. And <laughs> look, at, look, I was saying either earlier before the show that it just, it seems like they're leaning towards quarterback. You know, I, I think an offensive tackle like Evan Neal, Slipping there, even Ike Aquanu, if he were to fall at six, I think would be very interesting to see what they do. But I just have this feeling they're going to te- keep taking a chance on a quarterback. And and really, since Matt Rule's been there, that's kind of been what they've done. You know, they, they brought in Teddy Bridgewater for one year, didn't work out. They go get Sam Darnold, one year, didn't work out. Maybe, I mean, he's still probably going to be on the roster, but as a starter – and now they're going to take a swing on Malik Willis. And if they don't get that, then guess what? They're going to swing again next year. So, like, they will continue to swing uh, at the quarterback position, whether it's going to be in the draft or maybe they bring back, you know, Cam Newton or somebody. They're going to keep bringing in quarterbacks until they get a, to get one in there that's going to solve this issue for them for the next 10 to 15 years. But, uh, yeah, as of right now, I got Malik Willis as being that pick. So there you go. And I'm leaning closer to, you know, just locking in on Malik uh, unless one of these left tackles just super impressed me over the next couple of weeks. But uh, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Believe in Panthers podcast. You can follow Skylar and his work. Not only is he the beat writer for Sports Illustrated for the Carolina Panthers, but also for the Charlotte Hornets, who are 
uh, have uh, clinched a berth in the play-in tournament. They're just kind of jockeying for position right now. They're in ninth as it stands uh, as the recording. You can follow all that with Skylar online at Callahan underscore on Twitter. For me, I, I do multiple stuff throughout the week, sports-related. You can follow my work at Twitter on DEZ underscore 3505 or at Tobacco Radio. Until next week, for the Believe Network, you've been listening to the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. Keep pounding. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.